Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Oh, hello there. I'm Ryan Reynolds, and you are listening to the Court Case Podcast. Maximum effort. Hello and welcome to the Court Case Podcast with me, your host, James Court. And Sweet Tea. Today we have got an amazing guest on the show for you today. Me and Sweet Tea recently went and saw the play that's touring the UK, The Play That Goes Wrong. And we have got one of the lead actors of the play chatting to us today. He's going to talk about the play. We're going to talk about his acting. It's all coming right after this. Hello, Tom. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for coming on. No worries at all. Thanks for having me. That's okay. So Tom is starring in The Play That Goes Wrong, which is touring locations in the UK at the moment. Uh, Where is it at the moment, Tom? So At the moment, we are in Edinburgh, which is Mm. very nice, having a lovely time up here. We just got here yesterday. Uh, We're here for the week. And uh, yeah, it's such a lovely city. We're having a great time up here. Oh, nice. That's sweet, because we went to see it just a couple of weeks ago, and it was in Portsmouth, which is the complete other end of the UK. So you're all over the place. Yeah, no, it's a lot of of long, long traveling on this tour. It's one of the things of like, when you book a venue in, it's normally, yeah, Portsmouth to Edinburgh, and then for some reason, Brighton the week afterwards. So you're yo-yoing up and down a lot. Is that all paid for, like your hotel and your travel and everything? So you get a, a subsistence fee on top of your salary. So you have to book it yourself, right. but you're sort of given some money to pay for travel and to pay for your food and your accommodation, etc. So, you know, we're all trying to pocket as much of that money as possible. So we're always <laughs> trying to find as cheap places as possible to stay. Yeah, yeah of course. That's so fun. Yeah, it's got to be such a fun lifestyle, though, just checking out all these different places. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's so much fun. Although I will say I haven't got to explore as much as I've wanted to on tour because you're just so tired. Yeah. So I'm often just sleeping until very late in the afternoon and then crawling onto stage in the <laughs> evening. I want to ask first, how did you get involved with this particular theatre company? Because they're doing really interesting stuff. When I went to drama school, I went to drama school in 2017, 2018. And I was taught by the original director of The Play That Goes Wrong, Mark Bell. Mm. He taught me clown. And for those who sort of don't know, clown, although it sounds like, you know, doing circus tricks and wearing a big big red nose, it's actually <laughs> sort, of a, 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 a sort of a form of... Uh, of acting and art based around sort of Comedia dell'arte and sort of learning how to be funny. And I hadn't really thought I could be funny Mm. or a comic actor before then. And it's really changed my perspective on how you can perform and how you can create comedy on stage. So I sort of fell in love with the work with, with from, from his teaching at school. Mm. And then afterwards I just sort of knew that he directed the play that goes wrong and I just sort of pursued it. And so I sort of harassing him and other members of the company for about a year <laughs> afterwards until they gave me an audition. And I auditioned in the summer of 2019 and I've been doing it ever since. Oh, Apart wow. COVID, of course. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, that's, um, that's amazing, though. But uh, that's the thing. Persistence is key, mm. I think. Mm. Absolutely. I don't think you can 
obviously say that enough but could, could you tell us for people that don't know obviously we've seen it but for people that don't know could you tell them about the play that goes wrong like what it's about sure so the play that goes wrong follows a group of amateur actors from the cornley polytechnic drama society who are trying to put on a murder mystery but failing miserably along the way so the people they're getting their lines the set keeps falling to pieces they keep losing their props and so chaos ensues very quickly as soon as the play begins and sort of builds to a crescendo at the end where Everything is going wrong, but they are determined to finish the play because my character, Chris, mm. is a bit of a tyrant. He's the director and the lead of the play, yeah. and he is determined that the play will be finished no matter what. So even when things are going wrong, and even when people are in serious medical danger, he will not stop the play. <laughs> yeah, It's hilarious, I'm not going to lie. Oh, thank you. It's one of the funniest plays I've seen in a while, and I'm, I was very... Because I've, I've known you from the past... Um, so I was very surprised when I got and I saw that you were that you were playing it there. But your character was fantastic, and I was really surprised at how funny your performance was. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah, it's a lot of fun that character. Chris is uh, he's a horrible, horrible man, but I love playing him. <laughs> there was one bit in particular which I think T thinks was improv, but I don't think it was. Oh yeah, we can where, actually ask. Um, oh, yeah. You know when you were sat on the sofa looking for the ledger. Yes. And someone in the back said where it was. Mm -hmm. Was that, do you have someone in the back to say that or was that improv? So we don't have someone in the back, like we don't have a plant in the audience. However, most shows an audience member will shout out. Oh. So that that bit is improv. So me, that sort of, I am just riffing with the audience about what they're giving me. So if they laugh at a particular joke, I'll shout at them for that. If they don't laugh, I'll just shout at them for a different reason oh. but sometimes they don't shout out and so if they don't shout out there's a different way of finding the ledger but yeah no that it's not scripted but also it's not fully improv because i do expect an audience member to shout out so in cool. which case that is even more amazing yeah. than i thought because i thought it was completely scripted that's fantastic no. that's I, so I did, oh, yeah that's mad <laughs> <laughs> you're like relying on the audience in a sense that's yeah. so yeah, cool. when you've done the show enough times you know yeah. the tricks to get an audience member to shout out. For me, it's it's such a small thing, but it's looking at them enough. Yeah. So when I'm lo- when I'm sort of looking for the ledger, I keep sort of going back to the audience and looking at them and smiling like everything's fine, everything's <laughs> fine. But because I've sort of made that connection with the audience, they feel much more able to say something yeah. because right. I'm looking at them like begging for help. <laughs> um, so yeah, you, you you learn the tricks. Mm. That's great. And I've noticed after seeing the play that there's other ones such as uh, there's a magic one that goes wrong and there's a Peter Pan that goes Mm -hmm. wrong as well. Have you ever gotten involved in those ones or do you just like stick into this one? No, not yet. I haven't done. I've only done this one so far. Um, I'd love to do do the other ones. They're really great plays, really interesting, like very funny. Um, So hopefully one day I get to do those. Um, But at the moment, no, I've just done the play that goes wrong. But yeah, Magic Goes Wrong is quite new and it's so much fun. It's also incredibly ambitious. If you go see it, you'll you'll see what I'm talking about. There's so many, so much tech in that play. It's incredible. Wow. That's so cool. I do want to see all the others. Yeah. Just be a play that goes wrong, binger. Yeah, Yeah, (laughs) I I think so. (laughs) But I wanted to talk to you a little bit about how the theatre has 
coped since now we're sort of coming out of covid Mm -hmm. i understand that a lot of people that worked in theater did not have as much support as other people that were sort of on furlough and things during Mm. lockdown and now that we're coming out and you know there was a lot of like ad campaigns to try and get people back into the theater how Mm. do you as someone that's in there working in it how do you feel it's gone at the moment is it looking promising is it positive at the moment you're right to say that absolutely it was it's very tough for a lot of people in my industry i didn't i wasn't on furlough um i didn't even get the self-employed support scheme until a year of uh, after it started because of my weird tax situation meant that i was was just left on my own for a long time so it was really really tough for a lot of people but for the return it has been a bit slow i'd say and that's just not our theater i think a lot of theaters have found that i've had auditions at other shows at the moment and they have said they have noticed that audiences are still smaller than they were because some people are still hesitant to return and that's totally understandable so it has been a bit tough but i do think we're starting to see things pick up now i do think that there's more confidence now that things are hopefully sort of reached an equilibrium yeah so people feel like they they're, they're, they're not gonna buy tickets and then suddenly the show gets cancelled and then they lose all their money so I do feel like people are feeling more confident now and are returning, but yeah. it is going to be a long process. This isn't going to be sort of, I think, fixed in the next couple of months. I no. feel like there's going to be a lot of people who don't want to go to the theatre for understandable reasons for a long time. Yeah, um, absolutely. And so we have to sort of adapt as much as we can to try and you know make shows, make sure people feel comfortable when they come to the theatre and also make sure that shows can financially run. But yeah. um, at the moment, we're we're very lucky that our show is quite, Compared to a lot of other big shows, it's cheaper to run because there's less actors. You know, it's a bit more hodgepodge because of the style. So it can run. It's, it's a show that did run when we had socially distanced audiences, okay. whereas most theatre shows cannot run with a socially distanced audience. Right. They need at least to sell 70% in order to make even anything of a profit. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I understand that. It's, yeah, it's been, it's been really tough. But um, I'm obviously I, that's good what you've said. I'm glad things are on the up and up, mm. which is really good. I want to mention we've known each other since a short film called Soames War when mm-hmm. we were both at college together. How has your acting career been since then? Have you done much screen stuff? Has it all been theatre? It's been a mix, really. Uh, anything that pays me, I'll do. <laughs> uh, so uh, I've done some film. Uh, I did do a film with Tom Cruise. Very oh nice. my gosh! Yeah, well, it was it was the terrible remake of the Mummy. Oh, you and that one? Okay. Yeah, it was terrible. <laughs> and yeah. um, I did one day of shooting on that with Tom Cruise. Mm. Uh, I got cut from the film. Oh. Uh, <laughs> it's fine. Like it was one of those parts I started filming. I went, oh, they're gonna cut this. Uh, so when you go, if you get cut, do you still get paid or? You still get paid. Oh, yeah. Okay. yeah. That's right. I just don't get the the footage of me, you know, right. on set. Was on the deleted scenes. I don't think so. It wasn't like a big enough scene. Uh, like it was literally, I was an alleyway thug. Uh, there was a <laughs> bit where Tom Cruise came into an alleyway and I like barged past him, went like, oh, get out of my way. <laughs> you know, it wasn't the height of drama. Yeah. So, yeah, so I did that, which was a lot of fun. I've done a few other things, got a couple of TV things. I did a, a show called Quiz, which was about the guy who cheated on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. Oh, okay. Which oh. was really good, actually. That was a really good project. I love working on that. But um, yeah, mostly theatre, I'll be honest. Um, sort of got a few things hopefully coming up in the future, which I can't quite talk about yet. Oh, um, of course. Which hopefully, you know, might be a bit of both theatre and screen. But yeah, mostly stage work, to be honest, yeah. Which has been a lot of fun. 
Do you have a preference? I'm guessing stage work, but... Uh, no, nothing really. I, I, again, anything that pays me. Um, as long <laughs> as like, it's good work and it, yeah. <laughs> it pays yeah. the bills, I'll take it. You know, screen work's always nice because, you know, it tends to be less time-consuming, you know, for, as an actor. To, but it's also a lot of fun. But theatres also, you never get that same connection with an audience mm, as you yeah. do on, on the stage. So, yeah, it really depends. Yeah. Absolutely. Do you have a favourite piece of stage or screen acting that you've ever seen? Oof, it's uh, a very oh, that's a, that's a big question. Question. Uh, there's a few that I pop into my mind mm. that are like, like some of the, my favourite, but it's always that it's, it's never like there's a monologue. I've sort of I do this monologue a lot now uh, for mm. my auditions. And it's in a play called Things I Know to be True by, an, by a writer called Andrew Bravel. Right. Um, and there's this monologue, it's this opening monologue, it's about a 10 minute monologue of this character talking about her sort of gap year abroad where she fell in love with this man and he abandoned her one night. And it's honestly, it doesn't sound like incredible, it's one of the most beautiful stories I've ever seen told on stage. Wow. I was in bits. It was the opening 10 minutes of this play. Oh. I, was, I was crying my eyes out. Oh my God. I, do this, I do this monologue now in audition because I think it's so good. And, and, and I have a very positive responses from it because everyone's like, that monologue's incredible. Like, it's such a beautiful and human story mm. of, yeah, of just putting yourself out there and being rejected. Um, so, yeah, I think that is up there as one of my favourite things I've ever seen on stage. But yeah, it sort of changes all the time, to be honest. Yeah. Like, you know, it really depends what mood I'm in to what my favourite is. Mm. Absolutely. That's good. I'm going to check that. I'll, have, yeah, I'll check that, that monologue really out. Mm. Speaking of um, stage acting, there is often an assumption that actors are all very confident people. But when you go out on stage, is there something that you're afraid of or something that you're always nervous of or something like that? Um, well, I think also, yeah, there always is. I'm always nervous. I don't think you ever get over that. But, you know, I've met loads of actors who off stage are the quietest, most timid people, you know. I think it's very much we come on stage and put on these personas of confidence that we know what we're doing. But, I mean, I'm always talking about the play that goes wrong. That bit of the play we talked about earlier where I'm ranting at the audience is the bit I'm always worried about. Yeah. I come on and I'm always like, oof. What's it going to be like tonight? Am I am I going to accidentally swear at the audience? <laughs> yeah. You know, because that's a big no. That, right. And so, it's you know, it, 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 so I'm always nervous going out. We had a show just last night, which something actually went wrong on stage at the beginning of the play. Oh, we were trying to fix it for the whole of the first act, and it was you know really <laughs> stressful for us to try and like actually try and fix this thing on stage that was broken. Mm. Otherwise, it was going to ruin a future gag. So. Surely yeah, no, there's always think... those moments, yeah. If it goes wrong, surely people would think it's just part of it, though. Yeah, it's one of the blessings of this yeah. play, that you can do anything and the audience always thinks it's part of it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I once, the first time I used to, I was originally an understudy on this play, and then I sort of moved up to play the character I do now. But when I was an understudy, the first time I went, I went on, I went on halfway through the play because someone smashed their head <gasps> and had to come off stage. Wow. Um, and so I had to take their come on stage halfway through the play and start playing that character and audiences thought that was the joke yeah of course <laughs> i was a cat that that, that that character just didn't want to be in the play anymore and so they'd had to drag in this other guy 
who they'd not seen before to play that part. So the and you know the audience and we had someone come out on stage and, to, and say, "Oh, excuse me, ladies and gentlemen, unfortunately this actor's injured, so he'll be played by this this actor now." And the audience laugh; they think it's a joke. Yeah, they yeah, don't yeah. believe it's happening, and so yeah, it's it's one of the joy, it's one of the the curses and joys of this play mm. is that no matter what, the audiences always think it's part of it, and sometimes that can be. <laughs> to the detriment, like if the fire alarm goes off and you're like, no, you have to leave the <laughs> yeah. building. Oh, God, yeah, I hadn't thought of that. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. But are you in, because a lot of actors have to do, like, side gigs. They don't know when the next role is coming, something like that. Are you in a position where you have to do that or are you quite comfortable now? At, at the moment, I'm lucky enough that I don't have to do that. Um, the, the You know, the play is, you know, so full on. It is a full-time job and, and, it, and it does luckily pay as such so um i don't need to look for other work at the moment oh well though you know you are always aware that as a freelancer as any freelance industry is that you know once this job's over you've got to find the next job and so you've got to put your feelers out there and you've got to try and start making sure you can you're not going to eat in all into all the savings you've made on on this job so i'm sort of i'm always on the lookout for the next gig but at the moment no i'm just just working this job okay how, how long is your like revert uh, rehearsal period because i'm i do you rehearse now when you're in every other country oh, sorry city <laughs> um no so no when we when i originally rehearsed the play back in 2019 we had five weeks of rehearsal all right um and then obviously we shut down because of covid and everything so when yeah. we came back to do the show again because we'd all done it before and everything, we just had one week of rehearsals and then we're straight out and then we're on, on the road and there's no real rehearsals after that. But there's bits of the show we sort of go over again occasionally if they're particularly dangerous. Like the sword fight has to be done every night to make sure that that is safe. But no, once once you've got it rehearsed, you, you just go and do it. Um, occasionally we have things called understudy rehearsals, which is they, they are what they say, they're, they're what they do on the tin. They therefore are understudies to practice the parts that they cover. Right. So occasionally we have those while we're on tour, but no, nothing more. Fair enough. Do you um do you have a good relationship with the other actors or do you just turn up, do the play, go home? No, we have a great relationship. Yeah, I think you have to because you're yeah. spending all your time with one another mm. on the road, seeing no one else really because we are at such weird times we work at. You know, we're working evenings, finishing very late. Yeah. You know, so... We yeah we we get on really well together and it's been a really lovely tour with everyone and we're it's just you know nice to be working again with uh, with such a lot of people. That's great. That's great. We've um we asked our we told our audience that you were we were recording with you today and we asked them to ask us any questions that they might lovely. have for you and so we've got a few and mm-hmm. the first one is from a Max from the south of England and he said a funny one he said have you ever considered adult films. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, no, I have not. No, hopefully, I'll never have to be in that situation. That's good. That's good to know. Our cynic culture has asked, "What's your dream role?" One of them, and again, it's one of those things that changes a lot of the time. One of them, though, I recently auditioned for, and I got to the final round for. Actually, I was very, it was, it was, it was close, but it was for the lead in the Curious Incident of the Dog in the Nighttime. Oh yes, yes, yes. They often do that play at the Chester Festival Theatre, I think. There was it. The Chichester Festival Theatre sometimes do that as a play, don't they? Oh, uh, I think I don't remember if they. I, I don't know which version of that one that is, but this was for the sort of the the tour they were going to do, the wow. national tour, and so I'd love to play that part. Um, yeah. 
I think I'm a bit old now, unfortunately. Uh, yeah. You know, he's meant to be 15 and I am 26 now, so I think I'm pushing it. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But it, yeah, I think I, I, lo I love that play. It's a, it's a really important book to me personally. And so I think, that yeah, that's really, really up there for me. Yeah. That's a good That's a good choice. Is there Ooh. any screen roles? Again, again, any screen roles that sort of jump out to me? I mean, I suppose there are like a few roles that are like, up there for any actor like although to work with any director i suppose mm. like, there's a few directors like you know if i could work with lynn, lynn ramsey or like quentin tarantino as anything you know yeah. I'd, I'd do it so yeah i mean I'd, I'd always want to be in like a nerdy comic book project at some yeah. point in my career of as course. some character <laughs> probably a villain and so yeah. i'd love to play some kind of comic book villain at some point in my career yeah but cool. again like any any option would be i'd be happy with I can imagine you as a Thor villain. <laughs> I'll take that. Yeah, I'd love to play a Thor villain, a Loki-esque character. Yeah, the Shakespearean angle. Yeah, <laughs> I'll take it. Well, yeah. We've got one from Ashley uh, from London, and she said, what's the best lesson you've ever learned when it comes to navigating your career and your image? Don't be afraid of making mistakes. Okay. I think what I learned when I was doing Clown, there's nothing more painful then going on stage trying to be funny and no one laughing yeah, it, yeah. It, it's the worst feeling in the world it's death mm. however you're not gonna die and you can do that and it totally fail mm. and just be okay with that and just go cool that didn't work and move on yeah yeah it's not gonna get any worse than that and i think once i had that experience learning clown you know, our teacher, Mark Bell, he was, he's a genius, an absolute genius, but also he sort of said it as it is, mm. and he wouldn't sugarcoat anything. And so, you know, I got up on stage to do one particular, like, show or improv, and it got no laughs, and, like, everyone was just looking at it awkwardly. Oh, and it was, no. it was, during it, it's the worst experience in the world. But then afterwards, he goes, you know, he goes, okay, that was, that was rubbish. Why didn't that work? And you have to go, okay, let's examine why that didn't work and what we could change to make that better. Yeah. And and suddenly it becomes a very, instead of it's not a failure, it's just learning not what to do. Mm -hmm. I just don't do that now. Okay, I, I learned that there. I think that's a really important lesson that no matter what, it, all the worst you can do is fail and that's fine. Yeah. It's not that a scary thing. It, it, I think I have a lot more, I'm trying to work at the moment on, I'm writing a few scripts. Nice. And I've always been terrified of writing something bad or it not being good enough. Mm. And I think what's made me, I've sort of, you know, made a couple of short films and stuff. And I just sort of realized that it, it, you, you, as long as you put in the effort and you've made something that, that you're, you really want to make, that's as best you can do. And even if you mess up and have failures, that's, that's something you learn from. And the people who don't do that, the people who are worried about what they will look like or, if that's not going to be as good as they want, those are the people who, ne who unfortunately never get anything done and won't ever learn the lessons of failure. Yeah, absolutely. That's true. Yeah. We have another question from Lovely. Maddie. She's saying, um, "Do you have any advice for starting up acting?" For starting, I'd like, I'd recommend a lot of uh, people to start off by trying to go to drama school. I think it's a really important thing. I think you learn a lot of lessons at drama schools. There are. You know, we're very blessed in this country that we have so many really highly accredited ones here that I'd recommend sort of looking into sort of studying there, even if it's not for the, the full degree. I just did a one-year course. I did an MA at drama school. 
Um, but I found it very, very valuable. And then after that, I think I'd just say, just start making stuff with people you respect. Yeah. Like, j- just put yourself out there, you know, make a short film with a bunch of mates. doesn't matter how crap it looks. Just, just make something and learn how to make things. Because I think the industry is now, the, the way we now make theatre and more, I think more, uh, to a greater extent, film has been so democratized right now mm. that everyone's got a cinema quality camera in their back pocket. <laughs> yeah. You know, so just start making things now. And the people who are out there just making things, putting stuff out there, you know, learning the craft by doing are the ones who are succeeding. Yeah. You know, and Absolutely. so that's what I'd say. So try and look into getting some formal training. And then after that, just start making things. That is bang up advice <laughs> I completely agree and we've got uh, we've got another question from Jack all the way in Canada and mm-hmm. he has said is at the acting profession are you able to juggle personal and family life and social life well with that sort of profession or is mm-hmm. it difficult well I'm lucky that I don't you know I don't have kids or anything that I need to worry about but it uh, it can be tricky like even you know with me I'm single in my in my mid-20s you know I don't see my friends as much as I'd like to because I'm on tour at the moment you yeah. know I don't see them a lot and for people with a family and kids it, it can be really really hard um it's, it's not a friendly industry to routine one week you're in Edinburgh and then the next day I could get a call from my agent in the next hour that says I have to go to Japan tomorrow and I have to go to Japan tomorrow, you know, that's, that's how it works. Mm. And, and so it can be really difficult, but you know, you've got to make the decision about what you, you want. And some, and for me, I, I've always wanted to do this. There's sort of nothing that's Mm. been secondary to this, uh, nothing that's been sort of above this, I should say. So yeah, I'm happy to have that sort of lack of routine and sort of have that bit of chaos in my life. And I'll see my friends when I can, because I love the work so much. Not really have Um, a structure. Yeah, and, and that can be hard for some people. I think a lot yeah. of people sometimes come into this industry having, you know, loved doing some Amdram as kids or something, and they loved it as a hobby. And your relationship to it, your relationship to acting will change when it's not a hobby anymore. It yeah. is your career, it's your job. Definitely. And like any job, you'll have things you'll complain about and things you, you're not happy with or days you're not feeling up to it, but you've got to do it anyway. Yeah. And I think that can be really challenging to some people. Um, but for me, I've just always loved it. And there's nothing else I wanted to do. So I'm okay with that chaos yeah. in my life. And I'm okay with, you know, not seeing my family for a while. But when I do see them, I'll have a lovely time. That's good. I mean, good. say you were in a relationship, they could always potentially just follow you around. <laughs> it could be quite nice for them. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, they want to come on tour. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, we do have people on tour who have relationships and partners who come out and see them so yeah it, 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 it you, you can make it work yeah. it's just it's just extra work yeah. yeah and it's if you both want it yeah obviously yeah. you need to want it enough exactly to make it work yeah absolutely outlaw blitz has said what's your most what's been your most challenging role so far to date probably this role oh i can see mm. that like i've done a lot of other hard you know hard work roles still but this is so physically intensive and emotionally and vocally, and I mean, you might hear my voice at the moment, it's a little bit croaky. Yeah. Because, you know, you're, you've got to scream so much, you know, do my <laughs> role. And he's so angry and he's got so much rage and so much tension. Mm. Yeah. That it's very physically demanding. So, yeah, I'd probably say the role I'm currently doing has been the most strenuous mm. for me. I still love it. But, yeah, like, it is a lot of work. 
Yeah, it's also quite physical as well because there's mm. a lot of like stunts and yeah, stuff true. in it. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of very yeah sort of things that put a lot of strain on your body doing this show for all the characters, but yeah, mine included. And so it really knocks you for six over the first couple of weeks doing this play. It really shocks your body. Yeah, especially after a year of sitting on the sofa. So <laughs> yeah, it was it was it was very intense sort of restarting again. But you know, it's it's been lovely, and even though it is hard, it's definitely worth it. Do you um, keep yourself fit? Do you exercise? Or... As much as I can. I think, again, the show itself is like the exercise when you're on tour. Yeah. Mm. I don't have like a gym I can go to every week when I'm on the road. But when I'm back in London, I do have a gym I go to most days um, to try and stay fit. And just to make sure that sort of it, rather than like, you know, looking to like bulk up every day, it's more about like keeping myself like flexible and yeah. like making sure that, you know, I'm not going to pull anything during the shows because, you know, as you've probably seen when you saw the show, there's so many parts of that play that you can just twist in the wrong way and you yeah. just mess yourself up. No, of course. Yeah, I definitely get that. And mm. right, so we're coming towards the end now. So I just wanted to help promote the play. How many shows have you got left for the year or the season? So we finished the tour at the very end of November. So we've got another month of shows and we are touring. So we finish in Edinburgh this week and then we're off to Malvern and then we're off to Brighton, which is uh, near home, which I'm very excited for. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then we finish in Aylesbury. And then after that, I'm returning to the West End with the play and I'll be there until April doing the same character. Oh, um, nice. So I'll, I'll be doing another six months of shows, roughly. But yeah, no, it's, 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 it's so much fun as a play. And so I'd highly recommend everyone to... Coming down, especially after the year we've had, just to have some have silly laugh. fun. Yeah, yeah it's just, it's such a laugh. Yeah. It's, it's so silly, but it's also very clever as a play, and it's put together so well that I think it's it's fun for literally of all ages. And I know that's a bit of a cliche, but literally every single age, adults, kids will enjoy this play, and it's so much fun. Absolutely, and I work around the Brighton area, so yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna see if my workmates want to go and see it. See yeah, it do again. it. Yeah, Come do along, it. absolutely. Because I feel like even though the show's the same, you'll probably experience something different every time. That's what I think. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. It changes depending on the audience. Yeah, 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 like sometimes you know there are certain gags that get way more with some audiences than they do with others, and mm. so you've got to lean into that style of gag that night. Yes, yeah, sometimes things actually go wrong on stage and it changes yeah. the play, and that's always fun and keeps you on your toes. Yeah. <laughs> So are you home for Christmas then? So I'll be on the West End for Christmas. So I'll probably be home on Christmas Day. But apart from that, I'll be on the West End doing the shows, uh, which is always a lot of fun over Christmas. We Mm. get great crowds and uh, it's always an extra raucous, I'd say, over Christmas. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Thank you. And thank you so much for coming on the podcast to to us, Tom. It's been great to chat to you again. It's been a while and um, we do really love your play. We do suggest anyone goes and sees it. Oh, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. It's been lovely to talk to you both. Thank you so much, Tom. Take care. You too. Bye. If you like how this podcast was edited and you're also looking to bring your podcast to a professional standard, allow me to help. My name's Elliot McKay. I'm a sound engineer and editor for podcasts. Get in touch with me via Insta at L-E-L-L full stop McKay M-C-K-A-Y for all your podcast needs, including intro music to any genre you'd like. So that was Tom Bulpit. I met him in college. We did a short film together called Soames War. And then also a few years later, 
I was working at a bar with him in Chichester. How weird. When uh, he was auditioning for roles and things like that. and uh, Now he's so gone up in the world. Yeah, he's gone up, he's moved on, he's doing really well. And I thought it was so interesting hearing about the play. It was James's face when we got, I bought one of the, obviously the guides. Is it called a guide? The programme. A programme, sorry. A programme. And James just flicking through it, found it really, really interesting as you do. And then he goes, I recognise that guy. I recognise that name. Oh my god! Oh my god! I went to college with him, and like he just starts going on a rant about it. All. I'm just like, oh, that is pretty cool. To be fair, I like I couldn't imagine that feeling. Like you go into a show <laughs> to someone that you used to be like cl- like friends with, and you haven't mm. spoken to them in a while, and then you see them on a program, and they're doing really well for themselves. Yeah, like that's crazy. Uh, well, also, I just I always really liked Tom. I just always found him really fun to talk to. And my favourite shifts when we would work at the bar was when him? I was on with Tom because it was always quiet and so we'd always chat and then he also watched It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Ah. So we would just talk oh, we about that. Oh, we should have spoken yeah, about that I when we were on the call. Yeah. yeah, so we would just talk about that for loads of the time. I remember him trying to, the new season was out or something like that. We were working, he was struggling to find where to watch it. So I was sending them to him, the episodes. <laughs> but no, I I thought that was a really interesting as well. And the play, if you're a listener from the UK, the play is obviously still ongoing. He said that he's got shows till November and then in after West Christmas, End. it'll be in the West End. So from now until April to watch that show. Yeah. I was thinking... Make the right, trip, guys. So his character is the person that puts on the play, isn't it? Yes. So his character could sort of be like a Daniel Craig in Knives Out sort of thing. Where yeah. he could do multiple plays as this character, putting yeah. on multiple different plays. Yeah. And then he could just have work to the end of time. Yeah. So I Crazy. think he, he needs, if he listens to this back end of this episode, he needs to commit that idea <laughs> to memory and needs to take it to the production company and be like, look, this is going to be evergreen like James Bond. Mm. Yeah. What do you think? No, I thought it was really good, really interesting. Learned a lot about the lifestyle because I didn't, mm. I had no idea about w- what it was like and everything like that. Mm. Learned a bit, like it was really interesting to know that I was right about the improv. Yeah, <laughs> I thought you were dead wrong. I was like, no, someone's in the audience and they've yeah. said that. I did not realise. I, 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 in a way, I could kind of tell that it was a little bit of improv because. Mm. If it was someone in the audience I felt that they put in the audience, I felt like they would have given more of a response. Yeah. But after they said it and he responded with how he responded, they didn't say anything else. And that's why I was like, surely that's improv. In which case, if I see it again, I'm going to shout out. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, yeah, help him out. Yeah, yeah, that's so funny. I know. So to end the episode, we just want to talk about ourselves for a little bit and our plans for the next couple months. We have got a episode, should be, have an episode coming up with a singer. What's her name, T? Sandra. Sandra, she's got some new music out we on Spotify. We have been trying for months to get her on. Yeah. But we thought we'll save it until we're on our second season. So hence we're on the second season. That's how long mm-hmm. it's been. And now she's got a song coming out. So we're going to record it next week and release it the week after her song gets released. Yeah. So obviously promo and everything like that for her. Absolutely. And we've also got, I finally managed to sort something out for the court case, one year anniversary special bonanza. We're going to be filming it in a studio in Southampton. So that's going to be happening on the 24th of November. So hopefully we'll release that weekend. So that's going to be a very special episode for you guys, which we're going to start planning. And it'll be something different for us as well to actually be in a proper kitted studio. Yes, yes. That's going to be very cool. And Mm. so we've got to do a lot of preparation for that. We're going to social media the shit out of it. Yeah, and it will (laughs) probably, I don't think it will stream live, but we will be putting it on YouTube for everyone to see. Yeah. 
and as well as that obviously we're gonna have christmas so we will be planning a christmas special we will probably take a break over christmas yeah but we'll have a special recorded to post out yeah over the Christmas season. It might season. just be the two episodes in December instead of the, f- the three or four that we do. Probably. What we, I don't know if we've discussed this with you guys, but we normally now just release three episodes a week. We try and release at least three and then one week will be a blog. Yes, we have discussed that. Just before, to reiterate, yes. in case mm. ha- people haven't listened to previous episodes. Yeah, um, absolutely. So, yeah, that's basically what, what's happening. <laughs> Amazing. So we've got some great stuff lined up for you guys. I really hope you guys are looking forward to s- hearing and seeing it as well so please stay on all the socials at court case podcast we had some great interactions with tom today you guys asked him some amazing questions please thank keep you for that uh, stuff sending up. them over yeah thank you so much for sending them over you can either email questions to courtcasepodcast at gmail.com or topics that you want us to talk about or you can message us at court case podcast on instagram also, I'd love to say a thanks to everyone for the recent support. We're now on 1,800 followers. We're 200 away. We're hoping to get to 2K by Christmas, but you've got to keep your fingers crossed, guys. Yes, we want to get 2K <laughs> get by Christmas. Up. So keep, share our account around. Show your friends. Get them on the Insta and get us to 2K followers. That would be amazing. And we're going to sign off now, guys. We hope you guys listen to us next week, and we will see you then. Take care, guys. Thanks so much. See you soon. Bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.